Hey guys, it's Joe Watkins and Travis Castle coming to you with the big truths of small business. We got the truth. We got the truths. We got the truth. Yeah, the big truths of small business. Sponsored by Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Property management. Replace good tents and collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. True. We got the truth. We got the big truths. We got the big truths of small business. Sponsored by SIREN. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, that was a uh, live version, obviously. Wow. Do you feel like that was your, uh, I mean, you feel like that's your best effort? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't want to get that out there. No, I don't think so. Right, uh, best I think that uh, I'm going to lay this guitar down while you uh, introduce the, the title of the show. Well, well, today's title is something every you know it's something everybody's familiar with. It's something that's much talked about, but it's not much talked about in the genre. That's a French word. Genre of small business. And that is the zone. How do you get in the zone? We've all had periods of time where we've excelled in our business and things feel really natural. And then we kind of hit that, that roadblock. And then we tr start trying to figure out how do I get back to where I was at when I was just in the zone? I want to break it down to, uh, you know, let's, let's keep it real here. Get getting in the zone is much easier to quantify when it comes to your personal self. Okay. If you're an athlete, you know what getting in the zone is for you. You know what that feels like. You know what that looks like. When I, let's stop right there. When, okay. when, when I say athlete and in the zone, who do you think of? I mean, Michael Jordan would do it. Tiger Woods would be in the zone. I mean, uh, Think about other sports. I mean, what what pitchers sh pitch no hitters against the best teams in in in, in, the, in, the, in the league, and they just get in the zone. I mean, like a Roger Clemens and those guys, mm -hmm. they just get in the zone. You can't even hit the ball. Yeah, you know a Roger Federer, you know playing tennis, just just, just for years gets in the zone. You, you just, he's unbeatable. Mm. Um, so in sports, we name those guys, and I, I think we're going to use the sports analogy a little bit because I think. That helps us to understand what that means and how they get there. We wouldn't use sports analogies doing this way. That's yeah. so rare for you and I. Yeah. I. I know the girls at the office especially love when you and I start breaking out the sports analogies. I know it. But you know what? <laughs> because they haven't done sports doesn't mean they can't identify. Uh, identify. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about getting yourself in the zone more often. I mean, I, I think it would be uh, not – doable to be in the zone every day it, it's, it's, It'd be a stretch that's a stretch let's just uh, not it's not really the zone then no yeah. it's not it's not so the, the zone is going to happen if it can happen a couple times a week i think you 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 know two to three times i think that'd be a really good deal there mm. to get in the zone three times a week because what i've experienced when i've been in the zone in work is 
and for me, it, it again, I think everybody needs to understand a little bit about themselves to understand how to get in the zone. But one of the things I've recognized in me is I probably have to have too much work on, on me to get in the zone. Like, all of a sudden, I have to go, holy cow, this is overwhelming. And then my brain, I can't go to sleep, and my brain just starts to go, it starts to lay it out for me. Yeah. And I start preparing in advance for how I'm about to knock it out. So I'll stop you there because there's something you've said that I've noticed during the pandemic here as we've opened back up. You said that because Joe's background, for those who don't know, is uh, the restaurant business, uh, specifically Chick-fil-A. And he would talk about, uh, we, and we relate this to our office and how we decide how many you know folks to staff based on work volume and and Joe always felt like that you want to stretch them a little bit. And when everybody's a little bit stretched, kind of like he's describing, that you get the highest – you kind of get this peak performance out of them. No question. And so when when they opened it back up and you went to the restaurant for the first time, there's like three people in the restaurant. And you go, man, I kind of got the place all to myself. This is going to be awesome. Here's what I've noticed consistently each time. Now, I would say with the exception today, but today was an owner-operator serving. Right. Uh, we went right. to lunch out today. We were the only people in the restaurant, but it was great. The service has been horrible. It has been. They've been off their game. It's taken 45 minutes to get two orders out of the kitchen when there's three or four people in a restaurant. Yeah, I mean, part of getting so part of the the deal going back to the restaurant uh, deal because we we were we were a small restaurant in terms of people in a given day. I was in a mall Chick Fil A back you know fifteen years ago when the you had six people working in the, in, in lunch. You're in a mall. You're not in a freestander. You know, you're not what you experience today at Chick Fil A in a freestander. I'm in a mall. Um, I have a captive audience. I'm only going to get the traffic's in the mall. And um, how I've many got, how many people are working in, on a, on a busy lunch shift on a Saturday at the mall? On a Saturday, I would have on a normal Saturday. I might have I might have twenty people. Hmm. Eighteen, fifteen to twenty at, at one time. Could yeah yeah could. Probably serving how many? People? Probably yeah, fifteen, sixteen. I had yeah. But uh, like, like, what? How do you count that? Is it is it just volume on revenue, or how many, how many people does that serve over a two hour lunch period? Well, I mean, because you're looking at the whole day, you know, in terms of that. But uh, in Saturdays, there's not really a lunch period as much as a weekday, right? People come in and out there. You know, kids are, they'll take a you know nugget pack any time of the day. I mean, it's, I need ice cream. I wanted something to drink. I mean, you're just, it's, it's constant. But, you know, it is revenue-based. It's, it's just based on traffic, foot traffic. But, but getting back to why I wanted to be just a little short, especially on the slower days, which I feel like the slower days, you weren't not busy. You're extremely busy. Because the people shrink to match the right. volume, right? So you're extremely busy. Let's don't let's don't misinterpret this. So there's not a slow day in terms of work volume for Negative. people that are there. Right? Negative. So you, so you've got so percentage wise, if I only need six people that day, and I'm one short, I have five. Percentage wise of my team, that's pretty heavy. 
I mean, I don't know the numbers. 16%, I believe. This is getting off in the weeds a little bit. But well, no, no, no. I'm going to pull, no, 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 I'm gonna no, pull no, it in. No, I'm going to ask you a question that's off in the weeds. What I'm saying is this question is off in the weeds. So as the manager of that, as the operator of that, do you step in? Let's say somebody, you had it scheduled where it was going to be tight. I hear what you're saying. Let's say somebody called on in sick last minute on top of that. Oh, what's, you, you got to get really in the zone. What, what, what's the philosophy there? How, how does that work? Well, I mean, if you can find somebody to replace them, you're already short. Yeah. If you're tight and you're short, when are you going to try to replace it? But you couldn't replace it because. Last minute. How many people you have standing in the wings when you only got need six people to work total that day? So, yeah, that, that puts you in the zone. And then, by the way, you have a 300 sandwich order that has to go out by 12 o'clock. At the same time, you're getting your lunch rush. So how, how do you pull all that off? Well, what you can't do is let the tack tail wag the dog. So, I mean. Number one is you better prepare. So I get the call in at you know seven o'clock in the morning that somebody's not going to come and I can't get a replacement. And I, I better start looking at the day and figure out what's going on and start literally mapping out the strategy of getting it done because I'm shorthanded. And so you start to get, so I think being prepared, first of all, I think when there's a lot to do, or there's something that feels a little insurmountable. I think athletes rise to the occasion. They, they go, okay, I better get it on if I'm going to beat that team or I'm going to beat that guy. And often, in, in fact, almost every time, the one within that team that rises to the occasion is actually the leader. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's actually the, the Michael Jordan or the guy that we all can name. He carries the team with him. Yeah. You know, so in small business, that's us. That's that's, us. that's the owners. That's right. Okay, speed of the leader is the speed of the pack, and so it's incumbent upon us to be that you know that that one that turns it on, that gets in that zone. So, so one of so one of the, the things is, is prepare. You got to prepare. You got to over prepare. It's all of life. Yeah. What is the five or six or seven P's? You know, piss poor performance. You know, prevents or piss poor. Uh, something prevent anyway. Preparation, I don't right? Preparation yeah. prevents piss poor performance. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. and that's so true. I think everybody needs to know that. You know, prepare, you prepare to lose, you'll lose. You prepare to win, you just very well may win. It's kind of a, you know. A while back, we talked about. Uh, I told you how enamored I was with this idea of the um, pre mortem, right? Not post mortem, but the pre mortem. So the idea that right now you could, you know, this is a pretty good example. You run a restaurant, you run a small business. Before you get in this situation, it's super important to have thought about this, to, to have gone through, hey, this is on the table. The day's going to come where I'm going to be short help and I'm going to be overwhelmed. What do I do? I don't need to be making that decision, creating that plan in the moment. No. Um, let me tell the audience what preparation also leads to. Uh, it leads to confidence. The more we've prepared, the more we walk into the game with confidence. And any great athlete walks into the room believing he can beat anybody else in the room. I mean, even even the the, the insurmountable guy, he believes he can walk in on that day, but take he's, him. He's not just believing that out of some... Not arbitrary. He did just pop up. No. He's, well, he, he's believing that because of the preparation. He's, pre he's prepared. Yeah. He's prepared. He set himself up to be able to, 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 to work at that level. But, but I don't want to underestimate confidence 
to get to the zone. Okay. Um, we were talking about earlier today about how do you deal with all these interactions with all these uh, problem situations with owners or with tenants and it's it can seem insurmountable when you have a lot of them stacked up we're in the property management business where we manage rental properties for other owner people that own the properties we're kind of in the middle between them and the tenant that's right so on, on the day that you have one problem i bet that that problem drags out just naturally a lot longer period of the day then if you woke up that morning, you had 10 voicemails of significant problems. Mm. And, and they were all high alert, got to be take, taken care of today problems. Don't, don't, don't just that alone go, ooh, let's get in, let's get in the gear. Let's get in this. I, I mean, it does, but it's actually counterintuitive. Well, it, it may yeah. be, but yeah. we're going to talk through it. So, so as far as, as, as getting yourself ready I don't think you can underestimate that. I think getting yourself ready puts you there in a a, a place of confidence. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a conversation earlier about uh, I played ping pong last night with some guys. And I'm a pretty good ping pong player. And I know. Whoa, stop. Wait wait a minute. Would you describe yourself as, I don't think you would describe yourself as pretty good. Okay, well, I, I, I would, okay, I would, Describe myself in terms of amateur ping pong players is very good. Out of the last 30 games of ping pong that you've played, what's your record? I mean, it's probably 30. 30. It's probably 26-27 wins. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> uh, against pretty good players because, I mean, bad players you can't even play. They won't get the ball back. So – I'm a pretty good ping pong player. Again, I say pretty good because I think about professionals. I go, well, that's a different level. But and so I go to play ping pong. I got, you know, got some guys going to play some ping pong with last night. And I walk in the room knowing they're already playing and getting warmed up. I walk in the room and say, you mind if I get next? And my blood's pumping a little bit. And I'm going, I'm about to just wear these boys out. I mean, I'm going to wear them out. And I go in there with, and I, it was funny, it was through my mind, all the fundamentals of, of the things I know that I need to think about to be good, like look at the ball. I'll, I'll go a whole game and go, oh, crap, I didn't look at the ball that whole game. So I go in, there, there's two or three things. I look at the ball, and I need to use my shoulders, not my wrist. Those are two things that I got to say. And people, so I go in, so, get, so I went last night with that on the forefront. Look at the ball and shoulders. And if I do that and I, and, I, and, I, and I make myself get through those points of, of what I know that gets me in the zone, not to mention the confidence I'm bringing, and I prepared because I had just played the previous couple nights, I was about to annihilate them. So, and so, so and, and had, let me tell you. If you had to rank it on a scale I got zone. of 1 to 10 on your confidence level of victory, where were you at? Last night? Yeah. A 10. 10. Yeah. And it's not because these these were bad players. They're, 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 they can hold their own. But um, let's go to other factors of being in the zone that I, that I want to bring up. I think we miss some of this stuff. I think a proper schedule and diet give you, as part of your preparation, it gives you an opportunity to be in the zone. Mm-hmm. If I don't feel good, if I ate, 
like I, I never feel good when I eat a lot of pizza and you know that kind of food. It's heavy and that's, that rarely is going to get me in the zone. But if I go eat a you know a, a grilled chicken salad and a and a water for lunch, I'm feeling good, emotionally feeling good about myself, also physically feeling good. So you're I'm, not, I'm, you're I mean, not tired. You're not lethargic. You're not right. Sweating. I'm preparing myself. To be at peak performance, not just for a physical activity, but a mental activity. I mean, so that's a kind of a huge thing. So I used to give a lot of presentations in the morning, kind of in a past life. And I can tell you that I got to the point, man, man, I like to eat, by the way. I'm not shy about eating. But what I wouldn't do is I almost always skip breakfast. I mean, I eat a little something, a granola bar or something. Because the last thing you want to be is full, like loaded Standing in a room full of people trying to exude confidence. Uh, that Those things don't go to, so the, that doesn't go together. The ultra professionals in business, they know how to, they know how to situate their food. By the way, you'll never eat with them at a lunch where they're eating a huge steak and baked potato and all that kind of stuff. They're, they're going to eat a salad and soup. Almost a salad, man. Yeah, salad and soup. And so it doesn't mean that, you know, the steaks are appropriate times. What, what I'm suggesting is, they're better preparing themselves for the opportunity to be in the zone. Okay. They just are. Um, so, you know, diet. Um, one of the other things that we've discussed is your environment. Mm. And we've worked on this in our business late in, in the last year. A lot. You know, how, how can we go into the office and better get us into the zone. So we'll talk about some things that, that, that we've done there. Um, we're in a, an office environment that's an old house that's remodeled. And it was remodeled right. And it's, it's, it has a very, I mean, just comfortable, I want to be there feel. Mm-hmm. Like you are drawn to want to actually go there to meet versus the other way around. It looks old on the outside, but the interior is actually really upgraded. It's nice. upgraded. It's yeah. modern. It, it, it feels very sleek. It's it's not too bright, not too dark. You know, it, it, it invites you. It's in a very inviting place. Okay, so that that's step number one. Step number two, um, we bought uplift desk for the entire team. We said, hey, look, sitting down all day has has a lot of data to prove that's not the best way to work all day we need to change our position we need to stand up we need to like lean sometimes we need to sit sometimes we need to move that stuff around we need to get the desk and monitor situation where the monitor is at the appropriate level so our heads don't bend down and tilt and have problems so i'm gonna hit the pause button here a little bit i think this is huge this is to me one of the biggest is is the environment because it's something you can it's something you can go do and kind of create the environment. Now you got to maintain it, right? But in, in terms of, you know, each business and, and the people listening to this, you know, there's tons of different businesses, right? But, you know, in our business, we've got people that are on the phone a lot. Okay, that's one environment. If I know uh, 60% of my day is going to be talking to people on the phone, that you got to think about what does that look like? What is conducive to that? Who needs to be in the room? Is the door open? Is the door closed? You know, these types of things matter. We also have an accountant, right, that sits off uh, kind of in another area of the office. That's a different uh, environment. That's a different mindset for that person. So this idea of the zone 
is situational based on the result you're trying to produce. Yeah, and in each individual job, that's right. They have a different, uh, unique environment as much as we can create. And uh, and what what are other things in environment? Um, you know, how about it's professionally cleaned, and so every week when those folks come in, it's it's just clean. It's like having a, a clean car. I want to go drive the car that's clean. Right. Um, you know, having the landscape professionally maintained. I mean, you could, I guess, get an employee to just cut it for you, and and maybe it's not. You know, maybe that withdraws from his ability to appreciate his environment. Um, it's cool to walk into a place that's been cleaned, cut, prepared, and ready for you. Uh, we have um, a kitchen accessible in the building and that has been a huge success among the folks in the building gives them a way to be able to bring some some you know stuff to eat that wouldn't be just a microwave deal or going you know out to eat i mean environment get them prepared to be good well we just invested in a uh, outbuilding right in a storage area so that so the office is not full of stuff yeah it had stuff it just literally became cluttered we got to get the stuff out of here. That's right. So we bought an outbuilding, stick it out there. This is easy to skip. I, I'll tell you this, a, a lot of small businesses, I would say most of the small businesses that I walk into that are not franchise type businesses that are um, not big businesses, I walk into and overwhelmingly they feel cluttered. They, they feel mm-hmm. cramped. There's almost stress that's created just by the stuff in the building. It does create stress. It absolutely does. I am one that if I see clutter, I, I can't. I don't remember the last time I got in the, the zone for anything. If I felt like I was in clutter, I, I just can't function in that environment. And so, environments is the one that we can absolutely control. And and by the way, I mean, ask your people what 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 do you need to get in the zone, and and describe what the zone means, right. what that looks like. And uh, look, if they need two monitors and, and they've only had one or they need a, a 37 inch wide monitor or they need something upgraded to, to I'm telling you, you're going to get those dollars back. I mean, th- th- this is a, th- again, this is a one-time deal that one time. creates a daily difference in terms of helping other people. I know we're talking about us and, and the business owner kind of, kind of getting into the zone, but it's a huge part of it. I mean, everybody can contribute to it. Everybody, around. everybody needs to look and see how they can get in the zone, help, help their boss. Right you know, understand what that looks like. And th- th- that's one thing that, that I've been praised on among people over the years is if, if, if I've gone to Joe and, and, and I've said, Hey, I need this to, 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 to make my job easier and make my, I just do it. Cause I know the dividends it pays. I mean, I always look at it as a toolkit. I mean, we wouldn't um, go into the, I don't know, HVAC business and not ask for a guy to carry a gauge into the house to, you know, monitor the, the, the pressure in the unit. I mean, you wouldn't uh, ask your handyman to not have a, a hammer, you know. Right. I mean, so when you have administrative people that are trying to do something daily for you and move your business forward, I mean, I think I think simply walking in the office and saying, you know, how do I help? Right. What do I need to do? So we've talked about so far. We've talked about preparing yourself, and that would include you know, diet, uh, exercise potentially. Uh, having had uh, done the work you've 
you're about to do, having had practiced that before in the past. Um, and actually setting up your, your plan for the day, kind of all the preparation stuff. We've talked about that. Um, we've talked about the environment being hugely important. So now we talk about, okay, now you're, you're about to get into the, you're about to get into the work. What is one of the biggest killers of getting into the zone? Travis, we talked mm. about it. Mm. What's what? You want the answer? Give me the answer. I'm on the edge of my seat here. Well, Joe, what is it? Multitasking. <laughs> there is no such thing. Multitasking has wide been viewed as such a positive thing. It's, and listen, it's such a fake badge of honor. It's a fake badge of honor because if you actually learn to section your day off to where you didn't have to multitask, but you, you did this task, you knocked it out. If you're a web guy and, or if you're a multitask type job position, you, you carved out an hour. And you knocked that out. Don't don't five minute here, ten minute there, fifteen. Take a phone call here. You can go through that. We all know this. We go through days and we go, what the heck did we do today? All right. So you you're definitely talking to the foremost self proclaimed expert of multitasking. Of, of of not multitasking. Of you not multitasking. Of me not multitasking. And I, I would go as far to tell you this that. We just made an investment. Again, I go back. This is a little bit environmental, but it actually goes mm. to multitasking a little bit too. We, we made this investment. You made this investment. Well, I mean, you, you know, I do have a card that's loaded with some money <laughs> on it. You got to spend the money or the, you know. So got this. I, I ordered. In every office I've been in, I've had a whiteboard. A big whiteboard, by the way. And anybody listening, as I talk about the whiteboard, Home Depot sells this for like 15 bucks. So you can get this uh, a big white, but they'll cut it to your spec. No big deal. So we upgraded to a glass. This is gl magnetic glass. Uh, this thing is 96 by 48. It is? It's huge. It's brother. eight by four? It's huge. It's huge. Wow. It, it, and so it's in my office. And, and what goes on this? Well, it go, you know, I get this stuff out of my head and I get it onto the whiteboard. Well, there's a million different ways of doing this now, right? You can do spreadsheets. You can do calendars. You got all this different stuff. But let me tell you what gets done. What's on that whiteboard that I've got to walk by every day when I walk in the office? That's ultimately what gets done. And so this conversation of multitasking, uh, to me, kind of comes down to priorities, and if you're trying to do two or three things at one time, what's the most important thing that you're doing? I don't know, because you're doing two or three things. So I don't know. And any, and any, any eruption will interrupt. In, in a weird way, this whiteboard represents to me whatever's on there. It's what I got to do today. And it's very clear to me to look at it. So it doesn't have to be a whiteboard. Whatever your system of organizing your day. Hey, your priorities. This is a huge part of the zone to me. Well, no question. Uh and I think I think the whiteboard is another example of preparing the day. You're 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 going ahead and predefining for yourself what you're going to do that day, rather than letting the day tell you what it's going to do, which it will. We all oh, know yeah. it's got its own priorities. Yeah. So multitasking is 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 not ever going to get you in the zone. I would agree. You've got to figure out what's important. Map it out, put it in the order, 
And then you can get in the zone. You can do 50 different things today, but in blocks. Yeah, one at a time. Yeah. One, at, one at a time. So that that's huge. We think that's huge. Um, you know, going back to to uh, being an incredible athlete, you know, in any get, you know, we, we play golf. So how can you go through a day sometimes and just make so many putts? It happened uh, to me and Keith, my son. We just won the member member golf tournament here at our course this past weekend, and I was in the zone putting. I mean, it was just I wasn't in the zone really anywhere else, but I was in the zone putting. And when I break it down, I, you know, I think there's some some things that that are powerful here in the in the conversation, and it, and it and it goes to all these things we've talked about. So one, I've got, I've got to recognize that if I'm hungry or lacking energy or anything like that, I can't have focus. My focus starts to fade because now my focus is on, golly, get me something to eat. Mm. Okay. So that goes back to preparing and diet and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to put good. I want to win. You gotta have a want. Mm. You gotta have a desire here. Well, stop Oh. I, I I mean I think this is you know we we talked about it earlier today so so Joe and I we we yeah you know, I say we follow he's on he's a huge social media personality for anybody listening to this it's also very likely that he's interrupted your your Facebook or your Instagram somewhere Gary V yeah right so so Gary V uh, who who uh, for those of you who don't know. Gary V right now runs a marketing company. I mean, he's kind of big into the marketing space. He he gained fame by running a wine distribution company, right? Um, or not in a wine distribution, a liquor store. His dad owned a liquor store at the end of the day, but they got big into the wine business and made a bunch of money. But anyway, he's this awesome personality. Gary V basically boils it down to this. Um, we you be a little bit controversial. He makes a living off being controversial and, and kind of polarizing, but... Um, I mean, what are you really interested in here? You know, I mean, are you, are you kidding yourself? Do you ever find So I, I'm, I'm going to pick on a, a category here since you and I are close. So let's talk to some students, okay? Are you in a major where you find it extremely hard to study? It's The subject matter is very boring. And it is an act of just, it's a crucible to get through a semester mm. in that. Well, Gary V would likely tell you, you're in the wrong, uh, you're, you're, you're studying for the wrong degree here. You're, you, you know, if you have no interest in what you're doing, if this is just a pure discipline play. Yeah, I want to make more money, so I'll do this. I don't know yeah. that the zone exists in that version of, of what we're discussing. Very here. difficult. Yeah, I think it's very difficult. I, very I think we difficult. have to have interest, excitement, that probably should have been number Vision. one on on the list here. Yeah. How, how do you get in the zone when you're, when you're not interested in what you're doing, or you can't find interest? So let's talk about how how you may be doing a job that you don't find, you know, extremely interesting, but how you can still get in the zone. That's possible. It is. So, for instance, a sales guy may not fully believe in his product, but he has, but he's got to got to make a living. Okay, and so. You can't change the product because it's some big company that he works for, and he's got to sell that product. So how can he get in the zone? Well, spin us a little bit and say, hey, 
It's not, the, it's not being passionate about the product that I get excited about. It's the, the kill of the deal. It's, it's the close of the deal. It's, it's the art of the deal, the art of the negotiation. It's getting them to sign the line. It's, it's, maybe it's the, it's the power of your relationship skills to pull that thing to the, to the table. Whatever it is that you do get passionate about, because you, you shouldn't be selling if you're not a sales guy. So if you're a sales guy, and there's obviously reasons you are good at selling and like selling, find some things inside of what you do skill-wise that you can create the art around and that becomes the drive versus I, the product itself. I, I would agree with that a thousand percent. I would say you always need to be moving towards your area of interest and your area of strength. I'm a big believer in doubling down on what you're strong at, that that's likely a gift. That's likely a gift from God. That's likely something you need to pay attention to. What are your friends and relatives and people saying, man, you're just gifted at doing this. Okay, I think you need to pay attention to that. But in this life... You and I both know most of us uh, are going to find ourselves in a business, in a job, doing something that, that is not in that area necessarily. At least parts of the job are yeah, not. At least parts of it are not. But but you know what? Here's what I know, and, and talking to a sales guy, I've been doing commission sales my entire life in some way, shape, or form. You know, the net result of being really good at commission sales is is having the ability to I don't know. I mean, you know, when, when I say commission sales, most businesses for the really good commission sales guy, they're willing to let you kind of do whatever. They're let they're willing to let you go to your kids' thing at school at two o'clock in the afternoon. They're they're willing to let you go on whatever vacation you kind of want to go on because you're killing it, right? Mm -hmm. So so there are these benefits that you can get excited about. I agree with you that you can get excited about uh, on something that's not necessarily your natural passion. To, yeah, to I mean, and, and know yourself. I mean, you know, what have I done in, uh, for me uh, in, in areas where I, I struggle in, but I have to do them anyway, is I have to create some level of competition in it. I'm very competitive. and, and definitely and, and true. I yeah. turn things on when I feel like there's a competition involved. That's right. And and that can usurp what I don't like about yeah. what I'm about to do, and and that so you've talked about this. Uh, just you know, set up some 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 your own mind games you need to set up that's right. that, that, that that keep you going that make you excited about it. That's right. Because it it's not all going to be external. I mean, sometimes we got to internalize what 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 makes this thing work. Well, you know, and there there's this guy that I've been listening to. I say this guy hugely pop popular Jordan Peterson, uh, kind of a psychologist, and you know, most people that are listening to this know Jordan Peterson have listened to his stuff. But you know, he kind of makes a big deal out of this very topic, which is if you're not super excited about what you're doing. And by the way, you could be you know waiting tables at a local diner somewhere, right? I mean, just. The reality is, no matter what you're doing, you every day you have a chance to make that environment better, yeah. to make that experience better, to perform at a higher, higher level every day. And so there are internal kind of drivers that are real that separate you and kind of, kind of you know, give some intangible benefits uh, to what you're doing, no matter what you're doing. So I think that's important we say that, but, you know... Uh, so in the in the in the continuation of sort of the the multitasking or not multitasking idea, you've got to decide if you want to be really good and be in the zone. Again, we're, we're, we didn't really define the zone. 
actually. We just kind of act we like, sort of assume everybody knows yeah, what the zone I mean, is. I, I mean, maybe maybe that needs to be defined. I mean, it's it's Michael Jordan scoring fifty six points on in a playoff game, right? It's 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 way it's way outside of your average performance. And oftentimes, if you've ever been in the zone, you get done, and you go, "I'm not sure how I did that." Like that was oh, wow. The vast majority. It's like what? Yeah. If I could pull that off every day, what would it look like? Right. Or wow, I mean, I, I made 250 feet of putts today. Mm. A normal rounds of you know 100 or less. Mm-hmm. You know how? How? And you go, how did that happen? You're in the zone, and you start trying to break this down. So the zone is is really, I, I almost view it at times as, as an outer body experience. Like you, you 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 accomplish something that you just it just doesn't make sense that you did it, and you did it all day, or you did it all during that you know that that activity. It's almost as if you stumbled on something, but the reality is, and as we were discussing earlier, if we could take a videotape of that day. And we could videotape every day where you felt that way. What we're saying is there's likely to be consistent things that happen leading up to. Absolutely. So so the next thing I was going to bring up is decide that nothing will interfere. Okay, so if I go on that golf course and I expect to play my very best round, I can't have my phone on, you know, blinging at me the whole time. And looking at every problem that exists or text or or li- literally multitasking. Mm. I pick up, I'm looking at Facebook in between shots. I'm, are you kidding me? They're, you're not getting in the zone if that's your version of playing well, golf. Let, let's talk about why you may do, be doing that. I mean, that's kind of, so I, I mean, you know, look, I think everybody listens probably guilty no matter if it's golf or you're doing whatever, maybe off with your family, a lunch with your wife. Yeah, get in the zone with your kids. You're, you're checking that daggum phone constantly. I think if you pull the root up and you and you look at that, that's kind of a fear-based deal. And I don't think anything we're discussing here when it comes to the zone, fear is kind of eradicated in the zone. Well, you, you talk about your ping pong right. thing. Whenever I say Michael Jordan, we're seeing him hit the game-winning shot. We're seeing kind of a fearless oh. – uh, situation happening that no checking the phone and who called me? Oh my goodness. Oh, I got to call him back. I can't play this round of golf or I can't be with my kids or I can't be with my wife. I can't. And it creates you know, interruption yeah. in where you're trying. Cause, cause that's an interruption to, to what you're trying to accomplish over here. And, and, but you brought the fear thing up and I think that's interesting. Cause I think about, I think about a motorcycle trip. I just went on where we were throwing Frisbees the whole trip. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm a pretty good frisbee thrower. I would bet you are, and uh, <laughs> I'm pretty good at a lot of things because I'm very competitive and I I put the time in. I, I I'm, I'm going to beat you. Yeah. So frisbees have become this little thing we do on the motorcycle trip. I pack one in the motorcycle and we go to all these different places and I'm, we're slinging frisbees all over the place. We're slinging them over interstates. We're slinging them over cars. We start to get pretty, you know, uh, risky with. Oh, where wow. we're throwing these and what could possibly happen. Can't the imagine. damage that could occur. Yes, yes, I could imagine. Well, just like in any sport or any zone you're going to try to get in, if you have fear, if fear enters your mind when you're about to throw one of your more risky throws where you throw it out high over the couple, two or three lanes and you're curving it back over the top of the Mercedes and he's catching on the other side, mm-hmm. 
if I have fear around that throw, I'm hitting the Mercedes. I mean, it's going to get hit because hundred out of a hundred. Because fear, yeah. fear also means lack of confidence. Right. So we're on this motorcycle trip, and Randy is, I mean, I don't know, several hundred yards away down a ravine on the other side of the ravine of this huge crater off this bridge. Rand, Randy's kind of the group leader here. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm on the bridge, and he and I go get the frisbee. I'm on this bridge, and he's way down there, way across this huge gorge. I could, I could barely see him. I was like, where's Randy? Somebody tells me he's down there. I'm like, Randy! He looks up. Oh, he's waving his head. I hold the Frisbee up in the air. I'm going to throw the Frisbee! He's like, no! He's waving his hand. It's going to go in the ravine. There's no way. No. <laughs> I said, Where, where's the miss? And he's like, no. <laughs> he, he points to the, the miss. That, yeah. I rear back, man, with no fear. Because we've been throwing this thing all week. I rear back with no fear. And I threw the best, hardest, straightest, perfect Frisbee throw that cut the wind Made a, a an appropriate left turn to the to the good side, mm. and got it across that ravine. It was it was we have a video of it. It was just it was impressive, I do say. Mm -hmm. But that was just my example of I, I, no fear. I, I had no fear, but no fear meant right. confidence. Mm. Now, let me let me say something about this though. No fear doesn't mean that a poor outcome couldn't happen. That's right. No fear means. You're pretty dang okay with a with a poor outcome. Mm -hmm. I, I felt like that that attempting that throw was so exhilarating, and that frisbee had seen its better days. That if, if it did it, now, now, keep in mind it's the best frisbee we've ever had, and we I, I took a picture of it so we can get that exact same one again. <laughs> so what it, I would have been very upset because we wouldn't have the frisbee the rest right. of the trip. But I thought if 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 it's it's not the end of the day, right? So 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 the fear thing coincides with you got to be okay with the result too, if it doesn't go your way. Well, we we've talked a lot about that recently. Yeah, right? this is actually a big thing. So uh, when it comes to preparation and kind of game planning and strategy, all that stuff we talk about in the business world, and then then you go to do something, you go to put the money on the, you buy the ad on Facebook or you buy the ad, you, you invest in the Google pay-per-click campaign, right? Now, the, these are tests you can run. These are things you can tweak. You can get better, right? But you have a certain set of expectations and your emotions are tied to that expectation, right? Yeah. yeah. So talk a little bit about how do we kind of divorce ourselves from these emotions and these expectations that defeat us. Because I think this is a big part of it. If I'm going to get into the zone and I'm going to say, Joe, agree. and I'm going to wake up tomorrow, I'm going to get the right environment. I'm going to do the right prep. We do all this stuff. And man, if I do all this stuff, I'm going to win, 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 win. And then I lose. That's a good point. Right? So now, now I'm a defeated guy. So I want to you know, talk a little bit about that. So we, we do think this could, this could lead to a whole show, but I think we'll give a little snapshot here. Cause I think it is, I think it is very valuable to, to, what to get in the zone actually. And we'll and and we'll discuss it around golf because I think that's the best way I can describe it. First, first I would say in business, and it applies to anything, but 
we do have to know the difference of what we have control over and what we don't. Okay. And I think we, we, we do fool ourselves at times through our cognitive biases, through, you know, other people, through, through, through all kinds of reasons. We fool ourselves as to the things we can and can't control at times. Right. So I think you have to get real, real to quiet room and, and understand who you are, what you're capable of, what you actually have control over. And then there are some real things that you don't have control over. So let me give you an example. We'll use golf. When, when I've examined over the years the best putters in the world, the guys that can – my putting has gotten way better because of this examination. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I listen to the, the experts that talk about it. I've watched videos, and I'm, and I'm just really critiquing myself what's going on with the guys that putt the best in the world. And, and, and we can say that all the pros putt the best in the world. We can hold them up as right. the best specifically over all the people we play with. Without question. But then you've got the best among the best. Right. And what we find is, is that the best putters in the world that putt the golf ball, they have a very consistent pre-shot routine before they putt the ball. So what are they doing during the pre-shot routine? They are gathering the data of – Let's say I have a 20-foot putt. Well, what are, what are all the data points? I have a 20-foot putt. It's uphill. There's a slight right-to-left grain in the putt that's going to impact the putt a little bit left and maybe a little slower than, than just a, a straight-uphill putt. Um, there, the fault line is a little bit right of my putt, so that means the, the putt is going to go you know, a little left uh these types of things are in the equation now do i just look at this from one side of the ball no i'm going to go to the right side of the ball the left side of the ball or the hole right side of the hole left side of the hole the other side of the hole i want to make sure that i'm validating my position that i see and the more validation i get the more confidence i get that the data i'm importing is, is correct so this is what the best putters do they go through their routine of inputting data to get prepared to make the best putt they can. So we talked about preparation. There's your preparation. They do it every time. And when they get over this putt, they are now with confidence believing they have the right information to knock it in the hole. And what does that do? That relaxes their body. There's no reason to tense up over anything. You're able to have a relaxed stroke because you've, You've imported all the information you need to effectively make the putt. Let, let's don't miss that on occasion they bring in a trusted advisor. They do. Which would be a caddy. They're a caddy. Who sort of confirms or gives a, a differing opinion. Either way, by the time that conversation's over, there's a conclusion. There's an agreement. Here's, a course, here, here's a course of action. Uh, and they're much more likely to make that putt if everything's in agreement. Where a lot of putts are missed is they're not quite sure. There's something that's unsure there, and they have to go with it. But the pros, for the most part, they have a, they've confirmed in their mind what they're going to do. So on, on, on a 20-foot putt, frankly, on a 100-foot putt, the reality is the preparation is done, but the part that the golfer controls is foot and a half? The actual, the actual putting stroke here? 
Yeah, right. <clears throat> you right. know, what leads to hitting the ball, right. which which leads to going right. in the hole, he controls about a foot and a half. That's right. right? About 18 That's feet. right. So, obviously, the further he gets away from the hole, the less he controls. That's right. It's a good way to think about it. So, he gets over the putt, and he confidently puts a stroke on the ball. It's relaxed. It's with all the right data. The best putters in the world are are very okay in understanding that after the ball is hit, it goes in the hole or it doesn't. Mm. They can't will the ball into the hole. They can't make it go in the hole. They can't wish for it to go in the hole. If they did, things start to tense up. Now the stroke doesn't get put on right. Now they they second-guess certain things because they have to make it or they, you know, the best players in the world are okay with a quality import of data and a quality stroke. And then, and then the result, Travis, is the result because you between that putter head and that hole, a, a hurricane could come through. Well, well here, you can't make it you can't go in the hole. It. You can't make it go in the hole. And if you could, they all would go in the hole because all right. those guys want to make it 100% of the time. But here's the stat, and, you know, Joe and I are talking golf. I can – you know, for, for football fans, I'll jump to football uh, with this analogy here. I love to use Tom Brady and everything because, uh, you know, in another life, I would actually be Tom Brady. Um, but Tom Brady throws an interception. The golfer misses the three-foot putt. I mean, you know, as a professional golfer, you got to make it every three-foot putt in your mind. But you miss it. Uh, Brady, he, he should never throw an interception on a five-yard out pattern. That's crazy. But he has. He absolutely has. But what's the mark there? What, what's, what's the mark that makes him Tom Brady, that makes him Tiger Woods, that makes them people that we all say the name and know, is, is when they come back and they throw that pass again. Short they, memory. The, so, so on the PGA Tour, one of the most important stats is they call it a bounce back. After you make a bogey, which is one over par on the PGA Tour, it's bad. You know, As a professional golfer, these guys think they should never make a bogey. They'd never enter a tournament thinking they'll ever make a bo- they make a bogey. The next hole, what do they do? What what do the best guys in the world do? They'll bounce back with a birdie. And they make a birdie. What is Tom Brady? He throws a, he's a freaking touchdown pass that next time he gets his ball in his hands. That's the difference to me. But the reason they do it is because they are, they are understanding that with the proper preparation and release or putt, the result is still going to be the result. And so they they, 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 they don't get upset over it. Well, they, they have a short memory because they did, short with all the data that they had, and they had the preparation. Now, the guy that didn't prepare right, the guy that didn't, that, that didn't lift his weights or didn't eat right or, or didn't do the things they knew they should have done, now they got something to blame. Well, now they got something that's going to that's gonna make them upset themselves. Okay, but these guys throw it or they miss the putt and they and they move on. Well, they think that the missed putt is the exception. It's not the norm. The guy that didn't do the work, that didn't do the preparation, that didn't get in the right environment. When he misses a putt, he goes, yeah, that's kind of who I am. Yeah. When self-defining when the top tier, the top 10, the top 15, the top 20 golfers in the world, when. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, go down the list. The the, the top uh, you know NFL quarterbacks in the world they throw an interception, they miss a putt. They think 
That's a radical exception. Wow, that's just, not who I am. You just you just added another element here to the zone. You you kind of alluded to it earlier. You talked about expectations a little bit here. Be be cognizant of the appropriate expectation about what your zone really should look like. Mm. I don't. I don't expect to go out there and have a zone like Tiger Woods. Mm-mm. That would be that would be ludicrous. You did. You'd be miserable. You'd quit playing. Yeah, I'd hate it. Hate myself. You'd quit. Yeah. Well, this is a a, a huge problem here. Mm-hmm. Um, how can you get in the zone when you're a constant failure? Mm-hmm. You're a lot of times you're a constant failure because your expectations are way out of whack. That's right. Okay. So match your expectations with your preparation. To other people, you would be a huge success. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. I mean. It, I, Look, I mean, we talk about this within our business. So, you know, again, we own a property management business. We move tenants into rental houses on a regular basis. One of the things that we grapple with is when a home has been vacant and it's on the market and when a tenant looks at the house and they love it, they fill out the application, we approve them, we set a date, they're ready to move in, they go to move in, the dynamic has changed. And now they look at the house as if, man, I'm about to move in this house. I mean, are you going to paint this wall? Are you going to clean it? Their expectations are different on move-in day than they are on the day that they first viewed the house. So as a property management company, we struggle with expectations. And we game plan around expectations. And we try to figure out how do we set our customers' expectations to where they're actually met. And one thing that we're really intimate with and that our people are really intimate with, and in fact, it's difficult for, for our folks, is to set the right expectation for, it's, it's for, for our customer. It's absolutely huge. And so, uh, you know, as, as, as the, the last one I discussed here, nothing, decide nothing will interfere, I mean, I think, I think that, uh, that was discussed here in that putt. You know, you, you've, in your preparation time and in that delivery, nothing can interfere – and, you know, that intense focus that's needed to be in the zone. So that goes kind of goes back to the multitasking thing here. There's got to be intense focus here. And that, to me, intense focus comes from a few things. It comes from a need and a desire. Without the need and desire, it's, it's, it's difficult to have that focus. Again, we can't do this every day. Mm-hmm. We're human beings. So let's don't expect that we can. Right. Let's, let's, let's figure out when it does make sense. And let's figure out when the stars do align. Sometimes you make the stars align, but but don't you know don't don't stay out till two or three in the morning drinking, and think you're gonna walk in the door the next day and 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 have a kick butt day, mm-hmm. you know where you're in the zone. Right. That's just not the the, the right expectation. I mean, so so often we actually stack the deck against the you know we're talking about environment and preparation. So, so often we're doing the opposite of this. We're we're in the wrong environment. We're not preparing, and our expectations are at the level of a Tiger Woods. I mean, this is this is the definition of misery. This is the definition of of why small businesses, you know, kind of kind of go out of business. One final thing I want to give you to think about that we hadn't talked about. So okay. I love and I watch and I follow the UFC. I love MMA. I love the sport. To me, it's the purest thing out there. Two guys fighting in a cage. It's so exciting. Recently in the sports, there's been a few instances of what I'm going to tell you here. So I'm going to give you another sporting analogy for those of you that hate sporting analogies. Here you go. <laughs> you can hate this even more. Um, but there's been a few fights here recently. Uh, they've actually been putting fights on during the pandemic. It's fast. There's no, there's no crowd during a fight. It's right. weird. You, know, you can hear the corners talking to the guys. Right. Um, but they're going at it. I mean, it's just the, the fighters love it. 
there's been a few fights that have been a little lopsided. The fighters went back to the corner, and he's this guy's beat up. You start getting beat up in an MMA fight, this is way different than a football game or a golf match. Yeah, or, something can go real wrong. Man, here. you can have some permanent problems here. So the fighter is inevitably saying, don't stop this fight. I've been training for my whole life. I'm on the world's biggest stage. I'm on ESPN tonight, and I want one more round. Even though my eye, my orbital bone is broken, my ribs are broken. He still has the broken. desire. He's got this desire. He's got this in. He, he's going to have to be key. He, he's decided I'll die here tonight. You got to pull him back. The corner man has a responsibility there to protect him, to protect his fighter. So this has kind of become a comedy. You know, I listen to the, the the podcast. It's become a real topic, which is you know what what they found out is the corner man and the fighter have kind of made this packed during training you know training for an mma fight is unlike anything in this world Jeez. these guys are going in a cage with another man that is trained a trained killer right so there's kind of this pact that's been made that we found out about which is you ain't stopping this fight i'll give it all this is who i am this is what that sport in it attracts those types of personalities but from everybody else the general public we look at it and go okay well, wait a minute mm -hmm. uh this guy's going to end up with permanent damage over a fight. Right. That won't even decide, hey, he can lose. You, you, you can lose one fight here and come back and, and fight, you know. So there's this conversation. So I bring this up in small business because the stakes are just as high for the guy that owns the restaurant or the guy that owns the uh, uh, tire shop. Can we or, say that that guy's all in? The MMA fighter's all in. Oh, man. And, and, and willing to go down. Literally on his not, on his conviction. No, no, yeah, yeah. I'm saying literally yeah, die. Yeah, I'm not yeah, saying right. this is some type right. of macho thing. Right, right, right. Um, but he's willing to give it up, give it up, give it up everything. I kind of feel like the analogy is appropriate for the guy that's went into small. How many guys have mortgaged their house, everything, who have put everything into this small business that we're discussing here, and they're saying, you know what, I'll just assume die over this thing. Right. So I think that you know we've talked about this at other podcasts. I think that's invaluable. In this conversation, and in, even in getting in the zone, and you talk about this too. You've talked about this recently, kind of in another conversation. Uh, we'll we'll get into later when it comes maybe to coaching. You know, I'd love to see a lot of small business guys get some coaches in their mm, life. Yeah, that needs to be added to the list. That's your corner man, right? Mm. And if you want to get in the zone, have somebody you talk to weekly or monthly or quarterly that is not emotionally attached. I'm a big believer that what's keeping a lot of people from getting into this zone and doing what we're talking about is it's the busyness of the day. It's the emotional attachment you have to your business. When you bring in that third party, which should be that corner man, right, that they got a stake in it. They want to see you win. You're paying them, in fact, right, if it's a small business coach or a consultant of some type. But at the same time, they're emotionally detached. They should be. Yeah. And they should be able to render that advice to you, which is, hey, here's why you're not in the zone. Here's mm. why this isn't happening for you. I love that. I mean, that, uh, that's just a conversation I've had with my son recently. Right. You know, if, if I'm hitting a brick wall and something that I want to get in the zone in more often, and, and I, I mean, I can't figure out why that is or even I know why it is, but I, I, I'm unable to do it alone. That corner man, that's what he, you need to coach. You need the life coach. You need the right. counselor. You need the corner man. You need the 
the friend who actually will tell you the truth. You know, whoever that guy is or girl is, you need to have somebody that you can rely on and maybe several somebodies and be real about what you need. Yeah, I, I need that corner man to save me from myself. <laughs> you dang right. That's the bottom line. That's what I did for you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I did for you. That's right. <laughs> I'm going gonna, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up with uh, sort of pointing out for the, those that are taking notes. Right here at the end, you're going to get the notes. If you want to get into the zone in your business, here are the steps. Prepare yourself to be in the zone. Give proper time to what you're about to do. We didn't talk about time, but I added that in there because I've had it and I just didn't talk about it. But give proper time. Create an environment that you can exceed in, excel in. Keep your task focused. Don't, don't do too many at one time. Just do one. And, and have an intense focus around those tasks that you're doing. Set proper expectations. Expect yourself to, to not be Tiger Woods if, if, you, if you're not. Everything. Um, have proper expectations so you can evaluate what is a proper zone, okay? And then, listen, have a coach or a corner man. The coach or corner man is the guy who's going you know, to give you the bounce back that you need. Um, to help you move forward so you don't so you can get through the brick walls we all have the brick walls we need somebody to help us get through them over them around them make a new hole through it, whatever we need the corner man um, I think that's what we joined together 100%. in business was right. to have each other as a corner man that's right to tell the truth to each other we do this podcast we spend hours sometimes before this podcast is Wednesday is our planning day speaking truth. And we're, we're, we're the corner man in our, in, in our business. Well, and, uh, and if you end up, we'll, we'll do a podcast on, on this at some point, but if you end up picking a partner, this is really kind of the best relationship, which is determining who can play what role in helping you get into the zone. If your partner is detracting from that, I think so many small business partnerships detract from that. Yeah. And again, I want to give the whole, we yeah, talked about another, doing a podcast here, but, but, but careful with that. Tread lightly. Make sure that that's a relationship that promotes the Yeah, zone. what you're saying is the, is the wrong corner man is more damaging than no oh, corner yeah, man. He'll kill you. He, got, he'll, let, he'll let you go get killed. Yeah. Got to have that one. We talk to you guys. Appreciate right. you. <laughs> Subscribe. <laughs> Share. <laughs> that was the wrong button. Let's try this one. We got the truth. We got the truth. We do you want we you to subscribe to the big truths of small business. We got the and you can do that at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Go to yesirent.com. Tune in. Go to everywhere. Yeah, babe. Sponsored by Yes I Rent. Yes, I rent. Yes, I rent. Property management. We place good tents and collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. Truth. We got the truth. We got the truths. We got the big truths. Small business sponsored by Yes, I rent. Yay. Yeah. Come back and see us, guys. <laughs>